Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. This is our last service of the week. <sighs> Bummed about that. But it has been an amazing week with you guys. We have a, a couple things we need to accomplish tonight. I got to give you a, a little bit more instruction. I got to give you a charge. And then we need to celebrate a little bit. And I'm excited to do all that with you. It's, it, I've, been, I've been so blessed by you guys. And I always love the opportunity to, to, to be here. I'm so thankful for all the staff. Um, but before we, we dig into the word, I need you, I need you to get a little rowdy. Um, because probably the most significant people, um, there's there's a, a saying I once heard is a, a kind of a idea that if I were to ask you the five most important books that you've ever read, uh, it might take you a little while, but maybe you can name me like one or two. If I was going to ask you the five most important sermons or motivational speeches or something like that that you've ever heard, you might be able to give me one. But if I was going to ask you the five most influential people and relationships in your life, I bet you could name all five and it wouldn't take that long at all. And I hope that there's been a seed or two planted, but I'm not expecting you guys to remember these sermons a year from now. I'm hoping that the Lord plants a seed and that is nurtured and watered and it grows. Uh, but you've had some amazing people building relationships with you. So you need to hoop and holler and cheer for your counselor for about five seconds on the count of three. One, two, three, go. All right, another, another, another five seconds for your program directors. One, two, three, go. Let's give it, let's give another five seconds for the tech team and song. One, two, three, go. And what about all the, all the support staff and the Wranglers, everybody like that? One, two, three, go. Awesome. 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 Uh, guys, they, they, no, don't do that. (laughs) I knew, I appreciate it, Robbie, though I do. Um, but guys, they, they make this place possible. Um, I'm a guest here with all of y'all, and I'm so blessed to be here. But uh, we've gone on a journey this week. We've walked through this concept of freedom and pursuing freedom, what that looks like. Sunday, we were challenged with this concept of what do we know about God? What do we believe about God? What's the world telling us freedom is? And then Monday, we had freedom redefined, the concept that freedom is something that God is bringing to us, that we have to be set free. And then Tuesday, we figured out what we needed to be set free from, the chains and bondage of sin, that missing the mark, the failing to live up to God's standard. And we realized that price tag last night. And last night was really about the concept of, of dying to our old lives. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. In a minute, But tonight, where we need to finish is now that we've put our old lives to death, we have to celebrate the new life. So we've come to this conclusion that we have the honor of knowing a limitless God. We get to personally know a limitless God. Absolutely incredible. You get to call to the God of the universe by name and speak with him, commune with him, have a personal relationship with you. He knows you. He desires a relationship with you. Absolutely incredible. 
Galatians 5, verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. This is some of that final instruction I need to give you. We're left with some challenges here. There was this consistent theme throughout the New, throughout the New Testament. Because as Jesus comes on the scene, he changes the game. How righteousness and holiness is done and what that looks like. And back then, I'm not going to lie to you guys, the church was, it was a baby church and they were trying to figure things out and there were some difficulties, there were some issues And there were some leaders in the early church that were getting drunk. There were leaders that were going to temples of false gods and buying prostitutes. And then they would go to church and it was all backwards because there was this idea that since we have freedom from the Old Testament law, because Jesus has died for our sins, we have freedom. We get to just do whatever we want. Now that I've gotten my get out of hell free card and I know I get to go to heaven, I can just live however I want to. And Paul starts writing these letters. They're called epistles, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, all these different letters to these different churches and groups of people to challenge them on how to live in light of the good news of Jesus. And he says, listen, now that he's bought your freedom, he's brought you freedom, he's pulled you out of sin and death, that doesn't mean life is a nonstop party. And when my time on earth is ended, I get to go to heaven. I get to just do whatever I want. But he's called me into something greater than myself. Romans 6, verses 1 and 2. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so grace may abound? Should we abuse this grace that God is showing us? Listen to Paul's, Paul's response. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it. If I have killed my old life, if I have done away with my old self, how can I still go and mess around with sin? First John 2, 4, whoever says, I know him, whoever says, I know God, I have seen Jesus, I have a relationship with Jesus, but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. And this is the charge I have to give you. I would not be loving you enough. I would not be doing justice to the gospel if I did not explain this to you. But making a decision to accept Jesus is the easiest one you could possibly make. Making a decision to accept Jesus and be granted entrance into paradise is the easiest decision to make. You're telling me I don't have to do anything but believe in a guy. Accept the fact that he existed when most most historians already say that he existed. I just have to accept the fact that he is God and I get to spend eternity in paradise? Sign me up. Everybody likes something free. It is the easiest decision to accept Jesus. It is the most difficult and demanding thing you will ever do in your life but it is worth it. It is so worth it. In Ephesians, it says, blessed be our Lord God and Father who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Anybody who tells you different is a liar. 
Anybody who says accepting Jesus means you're going to get the dream job, accepting Jesus means you're going to get the big house, the fancy cars, the dream spouse, the dream, the dream family. It's called the prosperity gospel. It is a false gospel. There is no Bible verse that says God's going to bless you in tangible ways, but he does promise us that he's going to bless us with grace and mercy and joy and love and kindness. And yes, the Lord has blessed me in some tangible ways. Frankly, the fact that we're sitting in a place and police officers are police officers are not storming this room to arrest us for even mentioning the name of Jesus is a blessing. The fact that you have breath in your lungs is the grace of God over you. Accepting Jesus is easy, but I need to prepare you for the life that's ahead of you because I need you to understand something. You're sitting in a room full of people. You all just sang about Jesus together and you might go home and find yourself singing alone. And that is hard. It is difficult to sing, get up and praise the Lord when you're the only one standing. Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Living for yourself is easy doing whatever you want to do. And those who enter by it are many for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. You know, after, after Jesus died, you got to think about the disciples, these 12 men, One of them betrayed Jesus. Judas had betrayed Jesus, so now we're down to 11. And after Jesus had died, these guys, they just spent the last three years of their life talking, walking with Jesus, following him wherever he went. And now their closest friend, their teacher is gone, and they're kind of left. So what do we do now? And some of them, unsure of what to do, they return to what was familiar John 21, starting verse 3, it says, Simon Peter said to the other disciples, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. They went back to what they knew. They weren't sure what was coming next. So he said, as we're kind of waiting to see what's going to happen, well, let's just stick with what we know. And your greatest temptation, your greatest temptation as you leave this place tomorrow is going to be to return to what you know. To return to what's familiar. To return to what's comfortable. And even though this is going to be a difficult process, I'm telling you, it is worth it. The fact that you've been invited into something greater than yourself, nothing could give your life more beautiful meaning. The fact that the God of the universe wants to make you a part of his plan. I love this. Check this out. 
This is our charge. The instruction I needed to give to you is that the temptation is going to be return to return to what is familiar, to go back to what you know. That as you leave here and realize you're the only one singing, the temptation is that I'm just going to shut up and stop singing his name. But then when I get back to RVR, I'll start singing again. But we're given this charge, this command, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 through 21. And this is from God, who through Christ reconciled. I love that word reconciled. It means restore to harmony. See, Adam and Eve, they walked and talked with God in the cool of the day. And sin severs that relationship. But through Christ, the beauty of that relationship is reconciled, brought back into perfect harmony. You and I get to be in perfect harmony with, harmony with the creator of the universe. He reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, which means he wants to use you in bringing other people back into right relationship with God. So your peers, your classmates, your teammates, your family members, he has chosen you, grabbed onto you and said, I'm going to change your heart. I'm going to change your mind so you can go and influence your community and you can influence the people around you. Because Mac, God has a given people in your life that only you can reach. Delaney, there's people that only you're going to be able to have certain conversations with that nobody else is going to be able to talk to. And you have the opportunity through the power of the gospel to change people's eternal destinies. How insane is that? And God doesn't need us, but he wants to use us. That's so crazy. I love that. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, his representatives to go into all the world and carry the good news of Jesus. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Now, guys, one of the coolest things, I love being able to process this, is if you think about maybe when you were a kid, maybe in kindergarten, or maybe you had to do this recently, if you had an assignment in school where you had to make a family tree, if you ever have the opportunity to do this, if you know Jesus, try and stop and figure out your spiritual family tree. Because I have the opportunity to be here and speak to you because there have been instrumental men in my life who have trained me and spoken into my life. One of those men who have really shaped the course of my life and ministry was a guy by the name of Brian Ferguson. He landed in the position he was in because of training that he received from another pastor who started a specific program at the college I went to, and his name was David Adams. And he got saved because of his 11th grade English teacher. 
So I'm standing here as a byproduct of an 11th grade English teacher from 70 years ago. And it's so cool, so beautiful, the story that God is weaving together as we can have impact on people. Guys, I want you to check this out. There's about 150 of you in here, a little less, but just about 150 of you. If in the next week you invited one friend out to lunch and you brought your own bottle of Chick-fil-A sauce (laughs) and said, hey man, something crazy happened to me this past week. Can I tell you about it? Each of you did that with one person that turns into 300 people. And those 300 people turn into 600 people. Do that 10 times. I think we can all think of 10 people that we know. That's very reasonable. If that happened 10 times, we will have multiplied by over 100,000 people. It becomes 153,600 people. Just from you having conversation with 10 people. And then those, and the possibilities are endless. And you've been invited into something insane that has reshaped the course of history and continues to shape history. You've been invited into that process. But as you are invited into this, remember I said the temptation is going to, is to go back to what was familiar. You all just walk through this experience of having this rock that symbolizes, you know, your sin, your your difficulties, your struggles. And you were asked to come and place it in in the basket and grab this key heart as a symbol of the freedom you're now experiencing. And yesterday we talked about chains, the chains of sin, the things that bind us. And you know, these, these can get really heavy, actually. And these chains, they hold about 5,000 pounds. And they probably weigh about 20 pounds. And right now it's not that bad. But after a while, my arm would start to get a little painful. My arms might get a little more tired before Nathan's would. But what happens is we start to experience the weight of sin. We were talking about that. Matthew 11, verses 20 through 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my burdens upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Like I said, the temptation is to go back. Galatians 5.1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't go back to your chains. Don't go back to what you know. And like I said, these these chains can hold 5,000 pounds. They're tough. Be difficult to break. Galatians 5, verses 16 through 17, talks about how your flesh 
is opposed to the spirit that is now working in you. And they are going to be at war within you for the rest of your life. Your sin is going to want to try and pull you back into your sin, into your unrighteousness, into your old life. But Paul, he, I love, Paul doesn't pull his punches. He's so blunt and aggressive in how he speaks. And in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, I beat my flesh into submission and I make it obedient to Christ. Because even though everything in me wants to go back to my old life, everything in me wants to return to what I know, return to what's familiar. The idea of this awkward moment where I don't join in with the inappropriate jokes is just too overwhelming, so I'll just return back to crude comments and foul language and inappropriate relationships. The idea that I would stand up for the outcast on my team or the outcast in my class, and then in turn me becoming an outcast, that's too terrifying to me, so I'll just make fun of them as well. And I'll return back to my old ways Romans 6, starting at verse 1. Read this first couple of verses already. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? That Greek word for baptize is baptizo. It means to be fully submerged, immersed. If you have decided, if you have decided to be joined with Christ, to become immersed, submerged into the life of Christ, then that means you have also decided to join him in death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, I mentioned this yesterday, that the prison door has been opened. The chains have been broken. The tombs, the graves have been opened. And yet, for some reason, we become so obsessed with our old lives and the things that we've become comfortable with. And what happens is we we make a decision at camp and say, okay, I'm done. And we go home and we start to wander back to our old ways. And we go back to what's comfortable, what's familiar. But Paul uses this language of putting on a new self. And when he talks about getting rid of your old flesh, this idea of killing your flesh, this isn't like, oh, let me put my old life right here and I can go back to if I want to. No, he says, I want you to completely get rid of it. I never want you to go back to it. I don't want it to be an option for you. And you know what? This is a lot lighter than the chains I was just holding. So the instruction 
is to not return to your old life. The charge is to carry the gospel, the message of reconciliation into the world because there's people that you can go and talk with and you're gonna be able to change their lives, but you're never gonna have that opportunity if you run right back to your old self. And the only way you're gonna be able to do those things is if you decide to walk in freedom. Freedom's been given to you, but you've gotta seize it. You've gotta grab onto it. Because Jesus' redemptive work was complete when he left the tomb empty. So you have to decide if you're going to leave yours empty as well. And if you made a decision or a recommitment last night, then yesterday was your funeral, which means today is your birthday. So here's how I want to end the service. Here's what I I need you guys to start to process this. And you have to make a decision if you're going to become committed to this. Is there is going to be a temptation. You brought all your luggage with you this week to prepare for a week at camp. And you also brought all your mental, emotional, spiritual baggage with you. The temptation is to bring that stuff back home. And I am begging you to leave it here. I am begging you to leave it here. If you are walking with Jesus, then you have been set free. And I beg you to stop living like you're still in the grave. Stop living like you're still in jail. Leave, go into all the world, make disciples, become all of who God has called you to be. Are you free? We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.